I grew up in the middle of what's known as, you know, the curse. Our colleague Amal Sharma leads our media coverage. But once upon a time, he was just a kid watching baseball in Boston. The Red Sox hadn't won the World Series in so long, and it was like this cloud hanging over all of New England, basically. And so I grew up with that, just sort of like kind of expecting that things were going to go wrong. But in 2004, Amal, along with millions of others, witnessed the curse being lifted. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Big sporting events like the World Series are broadcast on national networks like Fox. But to watch your favorite team play every game, you often need a subscription to cable TV. Many games only air on local channels. The whole thing depends on cable being a stable and sustainable business, and that's kind of the rub. Cable is in trouble, and it means baseball could be headed for a new curse. Recently, the entire system got a shock when the largest company in the local sports TV industry filed for bankruptcy. This is a story about the rise of cord cutting in cable, people dropping their cable subscriptions over the years, and the pressure that that has put on what was a really lucrative sports TV industry for decades. That has now come to a head and it's forcing some pretty major change. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Jessica Mendoza. It's Monday, June 12th. Coming up on the show, why the business of broadcasting baseball is striking out. This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. Sports broadcasting has been a big business for leagues and media companies. And regional sports networks play a huge role. So a regional sports network, basically it's a TV channel that buys rights from a local team to air their team's games in a particular market. So there could be a channel in Arizona that airs those teams' games in Ohio, airs the Cleveland teams' games, and so forth. Teams make tons of money by selling broadcast rights to regional sports networks. It's a major source of funding for them. And some of these deals can last years. There are like billion dollar deals for 20 years and those are the kinds of numbers that get thrown around. They're really expensive. So you could be paying, you know, tens of millions of dollars easily a year as the TV network for one team's rights. And then... Regional sports networks make money by charging cable companies a monthly fee to distribute their programming. This arrangement has been really lucrative for everyone involved for decades. And 
It has been really one of the core profitable businesses in the media world for a really long time. So everybody sort of thought it was almost kind of a no-brainer that you could make a ton of money in local sports. The cable company passes on the cost of those fees to its customers, and not just the people who watch sports, but everyone who buys a cable package that includes sports channels. They've gotten more and more expensive over the years. People don't even realize it, but, you know, it, it used to be 2 or $3 on your cable bill was going to one of these channels. Then it was 5 or $6, then 7 8 Some markets, it's now like $10, $11, $12 of your cable bill. And that's driving up the cost of cable and became a real point of frustration for consumers who don't watch sports. But over the last 10 years, viewers started cutting the cord and switching to streaming services. The smaller audience meant less money going to cable companies and in turn to regional sports networks. It created a lot of tension between the two sides. In 2016, a fight erupted in New York. The Yankees channel, which is called Yes Network, got in a big dispute with Comcast, which was carrying the Yankees channel. And basically, you know, how much did Comcast pay to carry the Yankees channel was at the heart of this fight. The result was that the Yankee channel was blacked out on Comcast for a really long time, for many months. I think it was over a year. And I remember at the time thinking, this is new. This is like a turning point where the pressures of sports costs are really starting to rise to the fore. The relationship between sports and cable was changing. But one media company still thought there was money to be made in TV sports. Enter a company called Sinclair Broadcasting. And Sinclair basically was a local TV station owner, huge owner of kind of like, you know, affiliates of networks that you hear about, NBC affiliate, ABC affiliate, etc., they were already really huge in the TV station business, the local TV business, and the government had pretty much made it very hard for them to get any bigger. They were sort of bumping up against the regulations there. So how else can we grow? And sports was one of the ways. And I think they figured that would give them this muscle and heft and leverage in the media world. If they had sports and these local stations, it would just make them that much more powerful. Sinclair saw an opening in 2018, when a slew of sports networks owned by Fox came up for sale. And so this was a great opportunity for them. So they borrowed a ton of money and did a roughly $11 billion deal to acquire all those channels. Most of that money, about $8 billion, was borrowed. And with that money, Sinclair swung for the fences. They created a regional sports business called Diamond Sports Group and it became the largest local broadcaster in sports, having the TV rights of about half the teams in the NBA and MLB and about a third of NHL teams. But Diamond was taking on a huge risk. You have to remember that cord cutting was only picking up pace. And I remember thinking at the time when they did it, like this is a pretty bold move and kind of a big risk to take to borrow this much money to buy sports channels now. Maybe five or six years earlier or 10 years earlier, that would have made a lot of sense. But it did raise eyebrows that they would go in so big on regional sports channels while it was in plain view that cord cutting was happening and was accelerating. And so has that gamble paid off? I mean, it proved to be 
a gamble that didn't work out well. Why Diamond's bet was a swing and a miss. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at C3.ai. When did you first realize that Diamond had run into trouble with this deal? Because they had this huge amount of debt, about $8 billion in debt, a lot of people who followed the company and just the industry, this was like a ticking time bomb. It didn't creep up on people. You're like, hmm. <laughs> you sort of knew something was coming. The big question is, when do they miss an important payment? Diamond had a lot of payments to make to sports teams and to its creditors. And at the same time, it wanted to evolve its business. Last year, it launched its own sports streaming service, Bali Sports Plus, and it's acquired streaming rights from some MLB teams. As cord cutting has accelerated in the last few years, Diamond's business was hurt even more. Earlier this year, the company missed a $140 million interest payment. And in March, Diamond filed for bankruptcy. And who was impacted by that filing, by Diamond filing for bankruptcy? I mean, who wasn't impacted? Everybody was. I mean, every employee of Diamond, the teams and every sport that they carry, obviously the leagues, consumers in some cases where they're going to be, it's going to change for some of them how they watch games. So it really is a dramatic moment for the whole industry. The first baseball team to take a hit from Diamond's bankruptcy was the San Diego Padres a team that had made its own huge bet. So the Padres, a few years ago, decided we really want to make a splash and chase a World Series title, and we're willing to spend lavishly to do that. And so they started doing these really big-ticket deals with stars, Manny Machado is one of them, and they wound up with a gigantic payroll, around $250 million payroll for their team, and, you know, it turned out they were placing that bet. It probably felt like, hey, this is what a lot of teams do when they want to go all in. But they kind of wound up placing it at exactly the wrong moment because like every other team in professional sports, they depend on TV revenues for a big chunk of their revenue. And they didn't know that they were about to, you know, get a big jolt this year that threatens those revenues. Diamond had agreed to pay the Padres $52 million throughout this year for the right to broadcast its games. Last week, Diamond missed a payment. And what that did was it basically made, well, it made the Padres the first concrete victim of this whole situation. But also that sort of led to the collapse of their rights deal. And so now the Padres have essentially broken away. They have their own rights now and Diamond's not going to air the games. So that raised a lot of questions immediately, like how will fans watch these games? Soon after Diamond's missed payment, MLB stepped in. The league announced it would broadcast the Padres games on its streaming service, MLB.tv. 
fans have to pay $20 a month, and they just get Padres games. The league is also making Padres games available through traditional distributors like Cox, Charter, and DirecTV, as well as the streaming service Fubo. On top of that, the league is also providing an emergency financial backstop for the Padres. Okay, and that allows them to still keep paying their players for now. Will the MLB continue to bail them out? Who knows how long this can go on? You know, it does allow the Padres to keep functioning without having to do anything drastic, like, you know, raising ticket prices a lot or or something like that. But you got to imagine this isn't sustainable. And if this happened to other teams and if it just kept happening, I don't think it's some sort of long-term sustainable answer for the league to just keep backstopping teams. And it could happen to other teams. It could. We're at a point in these bankruptcy proceedings that's really sensitive where it could go in a lot of different directions. It's possible that other teams will wind up just having their deals end with Diamond and then baseball has to figure out this question like they did for the Padres. A Diamond spokesperson said, quote, the economics of the Padres contract were not aligned with market realities. Meanwhile, Diamond is trying to restructure its $8 billion in debt in bankruptcy court essentially by asking its creditors to swap their debt for a stake in the company. Diamond is also trying to renegotiate contracts with other MLB teams. Diamond is trying to use bankruptcy to reset the price and say, we can't keep paying you really high fees for your rights in this world of cord cutting. We've got to lower that. And Diamond also wants to be able to stream games because they know that there are cord cutters in all these markets. So we got to serve those people and the people in cable TV. And baseball up to now has been, you know, not that willing to give long-term streaming rights to them and hasn't, they haven't been able to agree on a price. So it's always possible these sides could just agree on some sort of new terms for future seasons. But if they don't, then more teams will wind up in the Padres situation. Amal says that it's clear that many customers are changing their viewing habits and turning to streaming, even when it comes to sports. Every league has tried to get into streaming on its own. But they've done so in this way that's pretty irritating to the average person. (laughs) So like MLB.TV, essentially what they offer is they let you stream like every other team other than the one in the place where you live. What? Yeah, it's called called out-of-market games. I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Why? The reason is it's to protect these local sports channels. It's to protect the diamonds of the world Um, that's why you have that blackout because they're paying a ton of money for these TV rights and they say, hey, we can't have competition from baseball and their own streaming service here. So I think that is the sort of thing that uh, has been frustrating and could frankly change through this whole process that Diamond's going through. One of the things that might change on the other side of it is the end of that blackout regime. Baseball would love it to end. A lot of fans would love it to end. So you might wind up being able to actually pay for a streaming package and watch your own team. I mean, that's what's happening with the Padres. Because of this process, people in San Diego will be able to stream the Padres, which they couldn't before. So right now, where are fans generally watching sports? Like, for their local sports teams, where can they find these games. So people are mostly still watching on TV. That's where sports is really watched. 
everyone understands that over time, people are going to be streaming games. That transition is going to be bumpy. People who don't watch sports might be relieved that they don't have to pay for them. But the people who do stream sports will be paying more, maybe a lot more. The key thing to remember is that in streaming, it's only who signs up. If you sign up for it and you pay for it, you watch, but no one else is paying for it. In cable, all of us pay for a cable bill, regardless of, it doesn't matter if we watch the sports channel or not. So that totally changes the economics of it. And it means that you have to charge quite a lot for streaming services to make the same money that you would on cable. So that's a huge difference. And I think that's something that no one has cracked. You know, how will you make that transition without charging people an arm and a leg to watch their local team? That's all for today, Monday, June 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Alex Gladstone and Sarah Krause. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.